The following is a discussion on so-called joystick coaching. Kaboom! Already, right there. Everybody in the soccer community here, the neurons fired, and in a microsecond, that equation, joystick coaching equals bad, yeah, that one, that one became top of mind. And why wouldn't that be the case? For years, article after article, narrative after narrative has been crafted and consumed, driving that very equation home. Joystick coaching equals bad. All kinds of rationales have been crafted, and selected opinions from reputable overseas coaches or clubs, mostly taken without proper care for context, have been used to support this position. Joystick coaching equals bad. It's become convention and the socially acceptable position to take, which is unfortunate because like so much conventional thinking, it's okay in a certain context, but absolutely, totally incorrect in others. But Gary, you wouldn't be yelling, giving instructions to your students during a physics class, would you? That's a classic one I get all the time. Guys, what the fuck are we talking about? An academic classroom? Really? An academic classroom isn't a team sport, guys. This analogy is absurd on its face. And it's remarkable so many nod their heads in agreement with this particular analogy. For starters, why would I raise my voice in a classroom when everybody can hear me just fine in that environment? On a football field, outdoors, with all the ambient noise and possibly rowdy people on the sidelines, it takes something quite different to project your voice 40 to 50 meters. But of course, since the word yelling carries with it such negative connotations, it makes sense for proponents of silencing coaches to frame it that way. The analogy with the classroom is broken everywhere, not just with the yelling factor, the DB level. In a team sport, communications should be happening between players and between coach and players during the activity itself. It's intrinsic to the execution of the activity. It's a team sport, guys, a team activity. Man on. Turn, shoot, step, delay, mark the six, lock them in, get tight, and on and on and on. Guys, this is a team sport. To silence real-time communication doesn't just cripple team function, but also individual function and consequently, individual development. This is a team sport. Now, sitting there with your own thoughts for extended periods of time trying to learn how to solve a math problem a physics or chemistry problem, trying to write some computer code, or if you're trying to craft a piece of writing, these are quite different activities. They are not team sports. Unfortunately, I can already sense objections bubbling up in the neurons of those who have been convinced the analogy is still somehow valid. I'm familiar with those possible objections as well. And if you'd like, feel free. Send me an email, gary at 343.com. Send me hate mail. Send me whatever you'd like and I'll be sure to reply. I am well aware of how entrenched the joystick coaching equals bad equation is in the minds of many, but I'm not trying to change minds here. Trying to change a conclusion that has been so calcified through years of reinforcement in one podcast episode would be totally naive. My hope here is to offer insight into the thinking that has been forced underground and let coaches and actual practitioners everywhere who have been handcuffed by this environment know you have an ally here, guys. I fully appreciate your handicap, and I fully appreciate the pressure you're under to conform to this new dogma. 
but there are a few souls out there who have openly expressed different views. Just last week, the young 38-year-old head coach of Bayern Munich, Julian Nagelsmann, made some curious statements. Now, yes, he's coaching at the pro level, not the youth level. And we can discuss the applicability of principles across that youth-pro divide. We'll do that another day. Nonetheless, it's an interesting note to place here. He states, football needs to stop hiding behind tradition and has to revolutionize itself. End quote. He believes that the game should look to American football and how it's moved itself into the 21st century. He says, quote, American football is much more technologically advanced than football. The quarterback has an earpiece to listen to his coach. We absolutely need something like that. End quote. Now, many of you guys might be thinking, Gary, seriously, like American football? I thought you were totally against that. In which case I would respond, that's not necessarily true. I'm open to all kinds of things. They just have to make sense. And in any case, listen to this episode. I'll be chiming in on his comments. But let me say a couple things first. He believes that giving footballers earpieces would be extremely beneficial to the game. Quote, as a football coach, you can achieve a great deal with something like that. End quote. Of course, here he's talking about the earpieces, guys. The Bayern Munich coach also believes that there's far too much noise in stadiums to communicate properly with the players and complains that there are no timeouts like in American football. Now, guys, that timeout thing, that timeout comment, that's a different story with me, okay? He laments, quote, we only have halftime to talk about tactics with the players, end quote. Julian, I feel you, brother, and now it's my time to lament because we had some folks here in American soccer media take those quotes and apply the joystick coaching tag to it. It's really, really unfortunate. The fact this topic is framed with the word joystick or joysticking is quite telling. The conjecture that coach is giving direction, guidance, or instruction from the sideline is a bad thing has to be weaponized to be effective. So I get it. Packaging those things in the word joysticking does the trick. And it's quite incendiary. I mean, if we're talking youth, who wants their kids to be controlled like some video game character for the pleasure of the controller? So when it comes to silencing coaches, that's the image proponents have managed to conjure up in your minds. So well done. Bravo. Brilliant word selection to push that agenda. This is just another example that while American soccer may not be world class, and it's very far from that, it is definitely world class in politics and in marketing. The monoculture, which controls the ecosystem here, certainly knows how to frame a topic, craft narratives around it, distribute it, and maneuver consumers to consensus. This joysticking topic has served to muzzle so many coaches that have so much to offer or could one day have so much to offer. But it's an agenda that has served to turn coaches further away from the craft of actually coaching and towards the craft of appeasement and politics. At the same time, listen, I'm fully aware there are many coaches that possibly can do more harm than good by giving sideline instructions. I've seen them on the weekends for years because there is such a thing as poor instruction. And further, giving real-time sideline instruction is an art. One that, among so many things, takes the circumstances of individual players and cultures into account. An art which is acquired through loads of experience. So consider a brand new coach on the scene, maybe a year under his belt, two years, 
maybe five. Perhaps he doesn't have that art, doesn't have that craft dialed in. So maybe they would be doing more harm than good. I can get that. Because if we're speaking generally here, most coaches probably aren't great at giving sideline instructions. All this to say, I can empathize with an organization like, say, the Federation, which is de facto chartered to guide a nation's future. It's difficult to come up with policies, views, or standards which do exception handling. For instance, when the Federation decides the philosophy its licensing courses are going to enforce, well, it necessarily needs to take a general position. If that position is, coaches, you guys should shut the fuck up on the sidelines, well then so be it. I suppose that's their position. Here's the problem. Centralized, top-down authoritarian edicts like this aren't a good way forward. Especially because, again, coaching is an art. Every location, every case isn't the same. And how is a particular coach going to get good at the art if they are muzzled? Not to mention, quote-unquote, just letting the players play in what are supposed to be competitive club matches without any real-time guidance is also quite harmful to the development of the players in the team context. Now, like most things, I think there's a way forward here, but it does require the other side of the story to be told. And for too long, that hasn't been the case. So I hope you enjoy and enter the following chat between Nick and I with an open mind. But before we jump in, I'll do a couple minutes of ads for coaches and parents of youth players looking to solve their soccer problems. These are problems we ourselves have encountered in developing players at every level and, of course, ended up solving to great effect. If you're a coach wanting to implement a possession-based methodology where it's your team that's in control of the match instead of it being the usual back-and-forth random mess that you see here in American soccer, the solution is at 343coaching.com. And guys, this is coming directly from someone who has implemented the methods, refined them, and helped transform the landscape by showing playing this way is possible with American players in the American landscape. This is not the usual scripted course or presentation regurgitating material from some book, some PowerPoint presentation from a federation, or quoting some famous pro coaches overseas. To successfully implement a legit methodology, you need to witness it, not only visually, but audibly as well. That's what you get at 343coaching.com. You get immersed in the actual team training sessions, all professionally caught on video from Elevation and Coach Brian's audio captured as well. Again, these are the actual team training sessions with Brian's actual players as they prepare for match play on the weekends and long-term development of their abilities. With well over 1,000 members nationwide at various stages of the program, coach success stories keep coming in. We'd like to see yours as well. Now, if you're not a coach, but a parent, it's no secret the American youth system is screwed up. So you need solutions as well. What team should you play for? What coach is or isn't a good fit for your kid? Should you do personal training? Should you not? What's important to look out for there? What should you be looking for in the near, medium, and long term? I mean, the questions and circumstances are endless. They can depend on age, level of play, position, club, geography, politics, and so on. But while the context might change, the best way to increase your chance of making good decisions 
is by developing your skills in the fundamentals. And I'm not necessarily just talking about skills of the player. I'm talking about your skills as a parent making decisions or helping make decisions or guiding your player. In one minute, you can join the email list at 343masterclass.com. When enrollment of the program opens, we'll send you a note. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode. We're just scratching the surface here, folks, but it's an important starting point for us to further expand down the line. And so now let's dive into the topic of the day, Gary. I was scrolling through your topic choices, and this one kind of stuck out to me. And I'm very interested to, to hear what your opinions on this are. So let me just dive right into it. For all the listeners, what is joystick coaching? Mm, so this is a term that I don't know where it originated from. But basically, it references when there's a coach on the sideline at an actual game that is telling players what to do. And usually the vision that people have when they use the term is that a player is in possession of the ball and the coach is basically giving out instructions as to whether the player should pass it to this person or that person or to dribble or to shoot or to whatever. So verbalizing instructions from the sideline is the general notion. Is it good? Is it bad? I think like in most things, soccer, it depends on the context. But generally speaking, I am very much in favor of what people call joystick coaching, which goes contrary to the, the narrative that exists out there. And, and the reason is this. They like to say, hey, instruction should happen on the training grounds. And then in the games, you just let the players play. Okay, no. If the goal is development in the long term, meaning leading up to when the players graduate youth uh, football or move on from you to a higher level or something like that, the games on the weekends are yet another opportunity, a better opportunity for the players to actually be instructed and to be trained and to sure. learn, okay? Not to just do whatever the hell they wanted. And that's even more pronounced when we're talking about the notion that if you trained well during the week, the players would know what to do on the weekends. It, that's just nonsense, okay? Especially in our environment here in the States where most all youth clubs and training are two days a week for an hour, an hour and a half a day in a very reduced space. Maybe you have access to one quarter of a soccer field. so. The training during the week doesn't translate to the weekends because your training is very difficult to replicate the full match experience. So now you're on the weekend, you have the full match experience, a full field with a real opponent on you. It's another opportunity to instruct and train the players, not to all of a sudden just let them do whatever the hell they want. That's a big problem we have in, in this country. And I'm glad to see more and more coaches on the sidelines actually being so-called joystick coaches. I think it, it really helps the players to receive instruction or help while they're actually playing a match. Furthermore, I should say, it's not just about who has the ball. So for example, maybe the left back has the ball and I'm instructing the right winger where he should, what he should be thinking, what he should be doing off the ball. Does that make sense? Yeah. So again, it's a learning opportunity off the ball. The scenarios are endless, Nick. So joystick coaching, I'm in favor of it if you know how to do it and what you're doing. Now, some coaches just 
Yeah, it's true. Some coaches just have an ego thing going on where they want to boss people around and their intent is not teaching on the weekends. Their intent is more of bossing players around and showing authority. And in that regard, then, okay, I'm against joystick coaching. And I think that's what a lot of parents and people experience. And so that's why they're against quote unquote joystick coaching. And they haven't necessarily experienced the good side, which I just finished describing. Very interesting. Because like you said, your beliefs might be contrary to what a lot of people think and feel about joystick coaching. But I 100% agree with you. If you can guide a player with your knowledge and vision into making a successful endeavor in whatever it is, whether it's tucking in from the wing, exposing space behind in a third man run, whatever it is, uh, it's your job as a coach to, to give that to the player so that they can feel those successes. And if the, there isn't that information coming in the middle of the game, they might not experience what that moment could have felt like. So um, I, yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Do you think that there's a time or, or age in the development where it's less effective or more effective, younger players versus older players? It's a good question. I think the younger you are, the more guidance you need in general. At the same time, you have to balance that with making sure that the players are enjoying themselves at the youngest ages and don't feel like they're in school, right? Where yeah. it's a chore, where they have to obey things. They have to feel that everything is coming from a good place from the coach, from the heart. And that's a skill that the coach has to have is to be able to balance that nurturing posture versus the authoritarian posture. And then at the older ages, I think you don't have to have as much of a balance anymore. You don't have to sugarcoat things as much. And at the same time, if you've been doing your job well with a group of players over the course of a long time, you don't have to speak as much on the sidelines either. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so it's also a function of level, right? If the players are very high level then and are trained well, then probably the less amount of instruction you have to give on the sidelines. But it never ends, Nick. If you look at the pro level, at the highest levels, the coaches are still barking orders constantly on the sidelines. So it's just the nature of the beast. The coach is kind of like a conductor of an orchestra. Yeah. And you can't just not conduct when it's time to play. So what about these joystickers that are giving the wrong information, right? If you're a parent on a team and your son or daughter is playing for one of these coaches, what kind of, how do you deal with that? Especially if they're giving them the wrong information, or like you said, it's more of a control thing. That becomes an environment where the kid is not set up for success. How do, how do you deal with that? No, well, that's the, that's the million dollar question is being able to identify whether the coach is giving good instruction or bad instruction. And I think there is such a thing. A lot of people like to say, oh, there's so many different ways of playing, so many different philosophies. This is all about opinions. And yes and no, there is such a thing as causing harm. There is such a thing as giving bad instruction, poor instruction. But now the challenge, if you encounter one of these situations, is you don't know whether you're in that situation or not. I mean, how do you know unless you've had, if, unless you've been exposed to great coaching or good coaching? And again, how do you know that you have been? Yeah. Then you have, it's hard for you to have a basis to compare with, to identify who's doing bad work. 
It's challenging, Nick. I'm not going to lie to you. And I don't have that answer. I think one way to perhaps judge, again, is looking at the track record of the coach himself. Uh, hopefully, there is a extensive library of video evidence of that coach's teams playing and being able to identify if, wow, like this team actually knows how to play football. These players actually know what it is they're doing. Yeah. The coach must know something. And most coaches don't have that extensive video library. So it's a tough one, brother. It is very difficult. It's part of the reason why we're in development, constant development of this masterclass for parents um, is to try to give them open access to behind the scenes of what great coaching looks like, what great player development looks like, what an end product looks like, what a good vocabulary is all about, showing them patterns of great play and what that looks like so that then they can develop a better eye through the course of the program so as to better be able to judge whether their kid is in a good environment or they need to look for something else and how to look for something else. And like we talked about in the last, one of the last episodes similar to this, the parent's role in developing the culture and environment for the kid is huge. So if you're seeing a coach, a joystick coach who is yelling crazy orders that you might not think is valid, how much is it up to the coach to explain to the parents what is happening, why they're saying what they're saying, when they're saying what they're saying. Uh, Is that up to the coach to even let the parents know? Is that something that could help them, do you think? That's a fantastic observation, Nick, because it's another little piece of evidence that parents can utilize, which is if a coach is open to discussing with you what's going on and explain to you the philosophy, explain to you why certain instructions are given versus other instructions, explain to you the decision-making process, explain to you the short, medium, and long-term plan behind the methodology, and be able to flow seamlessly and smoothly, and you feel welcome to ask questions, then that usually is a very good sign that maybe this coach actually has great expertise that you can rely on. If the coach is not open to that, not exude that sort of charisma and confidence in their explanation, then that's a red flag because it shows they are fearful of being asked anything, fearful of being critiqued. And if you're somebody who knows, I mean, deep insights knows what they're doing, you want to share your knowledge. You actually want to share yeah, uh, because it's pleasurable to share versus if you don't know. So that's a great point, Nick. Absolutely. Parent education. If the coach is doing it, that's a great sign. No, absolutely. Yeah. If you're not open, then you know, you might be in the wrong position. No. And it's really funny too, because if you travel to any top level tournament, you're going to hear coaches that are yelling and instructing and directing and conducting, like you said, but Some of them might sound like they're crazy or super intense or an angry person, but if there's the right understanding between the player and the coach, those are effective moments in the game that can severely alter the game for the better or for the worse. So understanding that as a parent that, yeah, maybe my for me, for example, I I tell my players and parents, I don't yell, I just talk very loudly. And there's a difference. I'm not yelling at the kids to incite anxiety or whatever but i need to get the message across 
in, in a timely manner. So I, I think what parents can take away from this is just because your coach is yelling and instructing and saying, you have this person and go to the left and switch it. Maybe those are signs that this coach knows what they're talking about. So your opinion on joysticking was very interesting to me because if you look at most of the articles that have been written about joystick coaching, a lot of coaches are not in favor of it. A lot of parents are not in favor of it. They want guided discovery, but we've heard quite the opposite here and, and it's quite refreshing, I might add. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So to ask the question, why are coaches not in favor uh, of this? Yeah. That's another topic, and but it's related to my last little rant here, which was if you have so much knowledge and so much expertise in what things should look like, how things should work, what is the capability of your players individually and collectively, and you are on the sidelines and you do not give instructions, maybe it's because you actually don't know what instructions to give. Exactly. And if you don't know what instructions to give, okay, well, you certainly don't want to stand out like a sore thumb and be the coach not knowing what the hell to say. So it's kind of like you point the finger. You want the enemy to be the, the joystick coacher. You want the marketplace to look at the joystick coacher and think that that is the wrong thing to do Yeah. because you yourself can't do that because you don't know what the hell you're doing. Very you know interesting. I mean? Yeah, no. And you see like coaches are always standing up and intense. And then you have these other coaches that are just sitting and oh, look at that standing guy who's just yelling the whole game. Well, so there's different personalities in between wouldn't coaches. It be, wouldn't it be great if you could have a job where you don't have to say or do anything and just <laughs> chill there and just do nothing? Exactly. That's right. great. What a relaxing way to earn a couple bucks <laughs> and have it be that if you do that, you're a good coach. Yeah, and if yeah, you're giving yeah. instructions, then you're a bad coach. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, your grandma could do that job. I know we've talked about oh, it a couple no. of the past grandma, episodes. Again, I'm telling you, my grandma would be a genius in American soccer. I love it. So joysticking, you guys got the 411 here with Gary. Gary, that was awesome. I appreciate your insights as always. Hey, man, that was funny. I, I thought you were going to have completely different opinions. No, I know you've never heard that before. <laughs> no, never. Never. But mm -hmm. but you're absolutely right. And because when I saw that and I was doing some research on the article, I'm like, man, I'm a fucking joystick coach for sure. I've I El Cholo, Simeone's, you know, one of my favorite personalities. So I like to get in the game. I'm up and down the sidelines. I'm conducting. Hands are wild. And so when I was doing the research for this, I was like, oh shit. Is Gary about to disprove everything <laughs> about my whole coaching philosophy? I got to start from scratch. I'm fucked. <laughs> no, no, man, not at all. That was really good. That was really cool. You had some really no, good and it's quite, it's quite interesting. The other thing that I failed to mention, and it doesn't matter, but for, for Brian to have done something as remarkable as I think he's done, he could not have, I'm thinking theoretically here, right? He could not have been doing what everybody says to do. If you do what everybody thinks is the right thing to do, then your end product is going to be like how everybody else's end product is. You yep. feel me? That's but true. for you to be remarkable, clearly you must be doing something different or yeah. some or many things different. And this is one of those things. While everybody just chills and does fucking nothing on the sidelines, right? Oh, guy to discover mis huevos. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the, play, the game is the best teacher, mis huevos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, you do the opposite of that in order you, for you don't not to have a shit product like everybody else has a shit product. 
and shit game, players like everybody else develops shit players yeah life. exactly no no exactly like i get it if we're talking about pickup and street soccer and futsal as something completely different but when you have a final product in mind on saturday that you need especially against a different opponent like there's no room for error and if you can impact one play that's all it takes if you tell one person to turn and that you didn't do that in the middle of the game Sometimes that's all it takes. So no, like, and I remember when the first video came out, the Barcelona kids, where the English coach was getting criticized for for barking orders, and you could hear Brian like fucking roast them, take yeah, yeah, take yeah. him, giving the real time instructions. So uh, yeah, that was a really interesting talk because I know a lot of people are not in favor of of joystick coaches, and I have I am intense as fuck when I coach. That's and I people in this country have been so fucking brainwashed. Yeah, about that and other topics, and, and they they are the problem. They make they literally make certain coaches out to be like evil doers. You're if you're not just shutting up on the sidelines on the weekends. Did you see the comments from Nagelsmann, the coach of Bayern Munich, this past week, say that he wishes football would modernize further to the point where. With the mics, right? Yeah, where his players would have earpieces and he'd be able to talk to the players in the earpieces and people were having a field day with that. I have my own opinion. On the one hand, there's the purists in us or the romantics who don't want anything to do with that and just let it be a free flow, mostly improvisational thing from the players, even though during the training session week, Nagelsmann and coaches are tactically working. Hey, this is what you should do under these scenarios and choreographing play to a certain degree. But on the weekend, there's way more improvisation when compared to if he was able to real-time communicate with an earpiece to his players. For sure. I fall on the side. It's still fresh to me, but I raise an eyebrow and I'm like, hey, I don't think that's terrible. I don't think that's a terrible idea or a terrible thing to do. What's the problem? A coach can then decide whether to utilize that or not utilize that. For instance, you might want to be able to tell your team, hey, right now we need to switch to a 4-2-3-1. Instead of yelling your fucking dick off on the sideline. (laughs) Or passing a note or something. In the presence of 30,000 fans, it's hard (laughs) to communicate that. And you're trying to communicate. Three in the back. Three in the back. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's part of what the game has been. It's part of the romanticism, too, that the coach is trying to make, frantically trying to adjust his team. Yeah. Or, or having one the captain run to the sideline real quick and him communicate to the captain, then the captain goes out there. But if we agree that communication between coach and players is an integral part of the game, hey, why not consider what he's saying? And if yeah. a coach thinks it's bad for his team, okay, leave it alone. Now you have the optionality. Do I talk to my player? Do I not talk to my player? Can I communicate individually with my eight and say, hey, listen, for the next five minutes, we just scored. Okay. So we're very vulnerable now. We need to survive the next five minutes until halftime. Please drop yeah. a little further back and don't be so advanced this time around. I don't see huge. an issue with that. It'd be huge. No, I, I think it's pretty cool. The only issue I really see is mm-hmm. if you got an earpiece in and you take a ball to the side of the head, Ooh. you're fucked. <laughs> That's the only issue that I've uh, I've raised my eyebrow out. But other than that, I, I think it's I think it's phenomenal. I think it'd be crazy. Interesting. You know, okay. But, next thing we know, they'll put helmets on. 
<laughs> no, and then, yeah, I'm out if that happens. I'm going to hockey. <laughs> Something a little more brutal. <laughs> cool. No, that's, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. if That, that would really be crazy. But it, I think it would be, be a benefit to the players, benefit to the team. I mean, from, from, from the fans' perspective, Nick, I don't see that the fans will see any difference. You know no, what I mean? No, they, absolutely they, not. Yeah. It doesn't take anything away from the fan experience because the fans are just going to see 11 v 11 going at it, okay? So it's different. This change, this added capability is a different conversation than if the topic were, hey, let's have timeouts or hey, let's have more substitutions or hey, let's have a countdown clock. You know what I mean? Like, those yeah, things, it doesn't change the game. Really. Yeah, those things truly change the game. Yeah, this doesn't, I mean, this, from a fan's perspective, is what I'm talking about here, Nick. And then from a fan's perspective, having all these stoppages of play or, or whatever, that changes the game. Yeah, yeah. But, but having the, the rules communicate doesn't change the game. Exactly, exactly. When you change the rules of the game and how the game's played, that's completely different. But what happens in between the game and how you communicate to players? You saw it when we started. They would bring iPads, right, on the side of the of the side of the bench. They'd start passing notes to the captains in the middle of the game with pictures. So the game has evolved, but that didn't change the rules of the game ever. So I don't know. I think it's an interesting turn of events. If it happens, I wouldn't be too mad. Yeah, my bar, bar changes the game and change the game yes. from a fan experience perspective. But this does Absolutely. not change it. So anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because maybe as I edit the joystick coaching thing, I will interject this current event into it. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. A reminder for coaches. You can get both the free and premium coaching programs at 343coaching.com. Don't let anyone tell you your teams can't win by playing dominant possession-based football while also developing individual players to the highest levels. Nonsense. We've proved it at every single level and so have hundreds of serious member coaches across the country. Now that we've moved on to the pro level, we're delivering everything we've learned in the program. Don't wait and continue delaying getting on a proven path. And parents, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go to get a working compass for navigating the American soccer landscape with your player. It's pretty bad out there, but let our experience guide you. Until next time, cheers everyone and keep building.